and welcome to Just Life. Today we have on Radio Maria Anna Whitehead, who has just come back from an internship at the Holy See in New York, um, with the Holy See at the UN in New York. Um, she's also been involved with the, the Catholic Chaplaincy in Cambridge and is currently doing a journalism program. So it's lovely to have you with us, Anna. Um, and I'll, I'll hand over to you to talk about your time at the, uh, the UN. Thank you, Anna. Um, it's really great to be here on Radio Maria this morning and share a bit about my time um, serving as an intern at the Holy See's mission at the UN. I thought I would begin by telling you a bit about myself and my journey to New York um, and just share with you some of the moments, people and communities through which I have seen God clearly working throughout the past few years um, and which continue to support me in my journey of faith. So I'm a cradle Catholic and I'm blessed to have been brought up in a practising Catholic family and I'm part of a really great parish community in St Luke's in Pinner, northwest London. My mum is from the Philippines and my dad is British and I would say that my incredibly extensive Filipino family um, really showed me the universality and the joy of the Catholic faith from a young age. Um, and I've really heard many incredible testimonies from friends over the past years with dramatic conversion stories and moments that they can pinpoint as life-changing conversion moments. Um, and I'm sorry to disappoint if you are expecting one of those. Um, I would describe my journey perhaps more as a gradual dawning of a realisation. But one really important trip or moment came for me when I was 16 and I attended World Youth Day in Krakow in 2016 um, with a diocesan, diocesan group, the Diocese of Westminster. We spent two weeks in Wuj with the Shaman Nerf community and then we went to Krakow with millions of young Catholics from across the world. And as we stood in this vast disused Polish quarry for an overnight prayer vigil and the closing mass with Pope Francis, having walked, day, having walked all day in the heat to get there, I remember thinking that if all of us were truly entrusting ourselves and our lives to the creed we were professing at that final Mass, then this was pretty huge. Um, and the Catholic faith was not something I could be ambivalent to, that the life of a young, faithful disciple of Christ was radically different to that which I found being offered by the culture around me. Um, I couldn't simply return home and continue on as if nothing had happened and simply pretend that World Youth Day was all some heatwave-induced delirium. Um, skipping forward a few years, I then went up to university to read modern languages at Cambridge. And I think university is really a place where we have to actively decide, often for the first time, what role our faith has in our lives. We have to make that conscious decision to perhaps turn down an invitation to do something with our newfound friends on a Sunday morning and go to Mass instead. Um, and when I went up to study at Cambridge, the Catholic chaplaincy Fisher House really quickly became a home away from home. It truly is a place filled with such grace. And I found older students who were thriving and really drawing strength from Christ in often quite challenging university and academic circumstances. Um, our late chaplain was Monsignor Mark Langham and our assistant chaplains, Sister Anne, Father Chase and Father Matthew, were always full of such encouragement and so welcoming. Um, for a new lost fresher, they re really made each of us feel very seen and welcome. They loved us for who we were, not for what we could achieve or um, do in our exams or in our essays. And something I think of often is Father Mark's reminder that university it's really a time for the formation of the whole person, the root of university being universus whole. 
Um, and I think Fisher House really provided that space for me and my friends for spiritual and human formation. Um, and of course, for a jolly good time. Through a, fine, through a series of events in my final year, um, the usual mix of unsuccessful applications, speaking to a friend who had actually just completed this internship with the Holy See Mission, and a brief phase I was telling Anna about last week where donuts started appearing everywhere and I was convinced it was a sign to go to America. I actually ended up applying for this internship with the Holy See Mission on maybe a bit of a whim and um, interviewing, accepting and moving to New York three weeks after graduation, much to everyone's amusement. Um, but before I launch into anecdotes or reflections from my time in New York, I think it's perhaps helpful to briefly talk about the diplomatic relations of the Holy See, um, as well as the observer mission of the Holy See at the United Nations, which I understand is quite a, quite a mouthful of a title. So one of the most common points of confusion, and I think one of the questions I get asked most often about this, is the difference between the Vatican and the Holy See. So the term Holy See refers to the see coming from the old English for seat of Peter, and thus to the Pope, the successor of Peter in that see. However, the term is used in a broader sense to refer not only to the Pope, but also to the Secretariat of State and the other departments of the Roman Curia, which assist the Pope in the government of the Church. Now, the Holy See is considered a sovereign entity in international law, but its sovereignty is not related to the actual territory, but to the person, the Pope. The Vatican City State, on the other hand, um, which is what people often think of, refers to the actual territory, um, which amusingly is only the one-eighth of the size of Central Park in New York. The Vatican City State does not directly engage in diplomatic activity, but rather it is the Holy See which acts on its behalf. However, and I'm sorry if this all seems very technical, um, when it's necessary for a, tr for a territory to accede to a treaty, for example, when contributions or measures are calculated based off physical land area, um, the Holy See is acting on behalf of the Vatican City State. So, for example, in the case of the UN, um, we have the UN FCCC on the Convention on Climate Change um, and the Paris Agreement to which the Holy See acceded on the 4th of October last year, which rather poignantly fell on the feast day of St. Francis. The Holy See maintains diplomatic relations with 184 nations. The latest addition to the list is actually Oman. And rather amusingly, at the time when this was all being finalised from Rome, I was sitting in this UN committee meeting with the Archbishop, which was actually being chaired by the ambassador of Amman. And I could see that the Archbishop was sort of WhatsApping um, the ambassador who was chairing the meeting, almost like students in a lecture. And it's that very human side of diplomacy, which you really get to see working behind the scenes. So in these states where the Holy See has diplomatic relations, the Holy See is represented by an apostolic nuncio who has the duty of both strengthening the bonds between the Holy See and the local Catholic Church, as well as representing the Pope to the states and public authorities in accordance with international law. States are represented on the other side by an ambassador. Um, the UK's ambassador for the Holy See to the Holy See is Ambassador Christopher Trott. So while the Pope is obviously the principal diplomatic actor of the Holy See, he is assisted by the Secretariat of State, and the current Secretary of State is Cardinal Pietro Parolin. 
And then within the Secretariat of State, there is also a special section for relations with states. Um, and the secretary of this section is Archbishop Paul Gallagher. Um, and then in New York, at the Observer Mission to the UN, we have the permanent observer, who is Archbishop Gabriele Caccia. And this is all something that I realised in my intensive week of training at the UN. So please do not think I sort of grew up with a deep and extensive knowledge of um, Holy See diplomacy. Um, and so perhaps some words on the permanent observer mission or what the Holy See at the New York looks like and what it does on a daily basis. Um, so there are 193 member states of the UN and two observer states, the Holy See and the state of Palestine. So while the state of Palestine um, seeks to be granted full membership, the Holy See enjoys by its own choice the status of permanent observer um, rather than that of a full member. And this is due primarily to the desire of the Holy See to maintain absolute neutrality in political problems. Um, the Holy See is guided by perennial principles which strive to be universal rather than specifically political. The work and diplomatic efforts of the Holy See are guided by the social teaching of the Church. Fundamental principles are the dignity of the human person, the common good, solidarity and subsidiarity. Within the Holy See mission, the work is split into two broad areas, peace and security, which would involve attending Security Council meetings, meetings covering topics such as nuclear disarmament, non-proliferation and human rights and development. Um, and then the other team is human rights and development, where the applications of church social teaching and papal encyclicals are perhaps more obvious or immediately evident. Um, this would cover topics such as life ethics, sustainable development, um, climate, etc. And as an observer state, the Holy See can participate in all of these negotiations on a broad range of topics. And this participation in negotiations is really an absolutely critical part of what the mission does. Negotiators can flag up issues, they can raise objections to problematic terminology, and they cooperate with a range of like-minded nations. The Holy See can also deliver statements, both before and after a vote, and participate in committee meetings, general assembly meetings, as well as in many commissions and side events throughout the year. For High Level Week in September, which was when all of the heads of state and government um, descended upon New York to deliver their annual speeches, um, Cardinal Parolin flew out to represent the Holy See. Pope Francis visited in September 2015, Pope Benedict in 2008, and St. Pope John Paul II visited in 1979 and 1995. And I would say that High Level Week was inevitably a highlight of my time at the mission. And the Holy See mission hosted Vespers at the start of it, which was a really moving evening attended by the President of the General Assembly, Mr. Chaba Kuroshi. I'm sorry for the pronunciation of that Hungarian name. Um, and Archbishop John Wester from Santa Fe, New Mexico, who spoke on the topic of his pastoral letter, Living in the Light of Christ's Peace, a Conversation Toward Nuclear Disarmament. A further highlight of my week 
um, of that week and of the internship actually was one of my fellow interns ideas to send a letter back to Pope Francis via Cardinal Parolin at the end when he was flying back to Rome which looking back we probably should have mentioned to Archbishop Katcher and we did in fact receive a reply which is certainly more than I can say of the letter I once hopefully popped in the Royal Mail addressed to Pope Francis um, when I was younger and I thought um, just a few lines from Pope Francis's letter would be um, an apt end for this first section. Pope Francis wrote, The times we are living in require us to build bridges of dialogue and encounter. The division we see between nations only leads to mutual destruction. More than ever, the solution to any conflict is the building of unity. The Holy See's presence at the UN is an opportunity for the power of the gospel to enlighten leaders of the world in their decision making so that peace might prevail. Thank you so much for that, Anna. We're going to um, move to our first music break. Now, in keeping with the, the New York theme and the Catholic theme, you think Catholic and New York, and the first thing that pops into my head, at least, is the, the Franciscan friars of the renewal. So we've got some, a song from Brother Isaiah from his album, Poco a Poco, Struggler, which we'll, we'll play for you now. Telling me that you're struggling I just don't know if that's such a bad thing No, 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 but you keep telling me that you're struggling I just don't know if that's such a bad thing No, 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 but you say Lord I'm like a flickering wick, I'm like a broken reed I'm like a ship storm tossed and rocked upon the sea I'm like a mountain torn in two by an earthquake I look inside and all I see is just this heartache So my soul keeps crying from the crucible Fighting through this night like Jacob did at Peniel I'm struggling, oh God, can't you see that I'm struggling? You keep telling me that you're struggling I just don't know if that's such a bad thing No, 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 but you keep telling me that You're struggling I just don't know if that's such a bad thing No, 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 you see child Every good thing is born of a struggle Singing every good thing is born of a struggle Every truly good thing is born of a struggle My child Every good thing is born of a struggle Singing every good thing is born of a struggle Every truly good thing is born of a struggle My child, my child And I wouldn't leave you in this heartache If it was all for nothing Wouldn't leave you in this struggle If I didn't see something being born in you So beautiful and so true Like a statue of David chiseled away And never fading There's a new child rising New life shining in your face In your pain, in your everything If you only knew, child What I see in you, child I think you'd want it too But I'm proud of you, child As you struggle through Yes, I'm proud of you, child As you struggle through Yeah, remember Every good thing is born of a struggle Singing every good thing is born of a struggle Every truly good thing 
is born of a struggle, my child, my child. Every good thing is born of a struggle, singing every good thing is born of a struggle. Every truly good thing is born of a struggle, my child, my child. I keep on struggling, cause I just don't know now that's such a bad thing. No, no, no. Well, I guess I'll keep on struggling. Cause I just don't know now if that's such a bad thing. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm a struggler. Whoa, yes, I'm a struggler. Whoa, yes, I'm a struggler. But I'm not gonna give up now. You give me heart when I feel like giving up. Yes, I'm a struggler. Yeah, well, I'm a struggler. Well, I guess I'll keep on struggling. Cause I just don't know now if that's such a bad thing. No, no, no. Well, I guess I'll keep on struggling. That was Struggler by Brother Isaiah. And um, you're listening to Just Life on Radio Maria. We have today Anna Whitehead, who is talking about her experience as an intern at the UN in New York, working for the, uh, the Holy See and giving us some insights about uh, what, what that was like. So I'll, I'll hand back over to you, Anna. Thank you, Anna. I really love listening to Brother Isaiah um, on my morning commute, actually. And I think the the title of that song, Struggler, is perhaps apt for many of the many of the meetings I sat through at the UN. <laughs> um, so I've hopefully provided an overview of the diplomatic relations of the Holy See, and I just thought I'd share perhaps more personal reflections on my own experience um, on the internship program and what the internship program looks like. And it's open for applications. So if you're interested in applying for the autumn cycle, you've got until the 15th of April to get your reference letters and um, letters of motivation in. And you can find full details of that on the website of the Holy See Mission, holycmission.org. So the Holy See Mission takes three cycles of around eight interns across the world each year. Um, and I was there from the end of August until just before Christmas. The interns are always a super diverse bunch. In our group alone, there were interns from Honduras, Ecuador, the Philippines, Hungary, Mexico, the US, Slovakia, and two of us from the UK. One of the joys of the programme was the opportunity to walk alongside these other interns who became dear friends for a very intense few months and to share our experiences as young Catholics today. Pope Francis said a few years ago that we live not in the age of change, but in the change of an age. And I think it's really special to have people alongside you who are also experiencing the same challenges and joys in living out their faith in our contemporary culture. I also loved learning about the other's Catholic traditions and heritage. For example, Our Lady of Suyapa, who is the patron of Honduras, or the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Wisconsin, 
which is the first approved Marian apparition in the US. Um, for the Day of the Dead, we also made a traditional Day of the Dead Mexican altar, which was really special. The interns are really the eyes and the ears of the mission on the grounds at the UN, and I would say they play a vital part in the mission's smooth running. Interns attend committee meetings and then file reports, which are sent on to the negotiators, the two monsignors who are the diplomats, and then on to Rome. Um, and the reports are really there to provide an overview of what happens in each of these meetings and to flag anything of importance um, or anything which perhaps needed follow-up action. And depending on the topic, this could often require a quick turnaround, for example, in the case of emergency sessions which were being held on the situation in Ukraine. On the peace and security side of things, which was the team I was interning on, it was actually quite rare for the Holy See delegation to be directly mentioned. Um, although this kind of caught me off guard and happens all at once for me in my final week when I was covering meetings on the topic of South Sudan and Pope Francis just started being name-dropped everywhere as the special representative expressed his hopes and expectations for Pope Francis's peace pilgrimage undertaken with the Archbishop of Canterbury and the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland at the start of February this year. The interns of the Holy See Mission are given a fair amount of responsibility, um, which is quite surreal when you first start your the one who is sitting behind the Holy See desk with the power to touch the microphone and to resist the temptation to do so. And the other delegations certainly take note of when the Holy See is there and listen respectfully to its contributions. I think one of the most um, common tasks of the interns was to sit in a meeting and to alert the team back at the mission um, and to notify the Archbishop of when to arrive to deliver his statement He'd often be delivering multiple statements um, in the course of a day during the busy committee season. Um, and this was a fairly stressful task at, st at, at the outset, um, as you'd have to guesstimate how long the people ahead of him would talk for, how long the statements might be, and whether the Archbishop might be stopped for a chat in the corridor along the way, um, or the whims of the UN Secretariat on how long the meeting might run on for, which were always... Um, fairly impossible to, to guess. Um, a typical day at the UN mission would start with mass at 8am, prayer at 9am, and then we'd always have a team meeting over coffee. Um, on Wednesdays, we'd always have a look at what the Pope was saying in his general audience. And then we were at the UNHQ from 9 to 12, and then from 3 to 6, with a break for lunch back at the Holy See mission, which was always a great highlight of my day. Um, so the Holy See Mission itself is based on 39th Street by Grand Central Station and is roughly a 15-minute walk away from the UNHQ. Um, the UNHQ is a slightly bizarre place, so all the delegations have their main offices outside of it and it's really only the UN Secretariat staff who are based there. And so when it comes to 8.45am, there's almost this atmosphere of students rushing to lectures. It's all these diplomats and ambassadors um, head over from their mission over, over to the UNHQ um, just in time for the start of the meetings. There are different cycles in the UN system. Um, so there's the committee season, which was in full swing when I was there as an intern. Commissions, so the Commission on the Status of Women has just, I believe, concluded in New York. Um, high-level week in September, of course. And then on top of that, there are the usual cycle of Security Council meetings, emergency sessions, 
um, general assembly meetings and a whole host of side events and topical um, topical meetings and events that come up as and when. Um, on the second week of interning, Her Majesty the Queen actually passed away. And as one of the Holy See's token Brits, um, I was sent to listen to many, many hours of moving tributes to Her Majesty. Um, so I would say we were certainly thrown into the deep end, as one might expect. Um, and that that did follow, however, a training week, which was fairly intensive, um, and after which we were split into the two teams, Peace and Security and Human Rights and Development. As a Peace and Security intern, um, I was primarily responsible for following the meetings of the Fourth Committee, which is the Special Political and Decolonisation Committee, um, and has a diverse range of agenda items, which are all incredibly important, uh, but perhaps don't fit directly or neatly into the overview of another committee. For example, the question of information, the peaceful uses of outer space on which the Holy See does deliver a statement, UN peacekeeping operations, uh, decolonization, UN special political missions, and the question of Palestine. Of course, there are always the unexpected tasks the, en the interns end up doing, um, as in any internship, of course, as the coffee making. Uh, but this is the Holy See mission at the UN. So there are all kinds of things that you couldn't possibly expect or imagine to see. So, for example, I was once sitting outside the Security Council chamber, which seems completely surreal to say now, looking back. And our lovely office manager, Christina, walked past with these two bright yellow bags emblazoned with the Vatican crest of arms containing panettone to be delivered to the Secretary General, Mr. Antonio Guterres, um, for his Christmas gift from the Holy See Mission. And I just sort of had this moment where I thought, is, is, this, really, is this really happening to me? Um, and I'd been saying all week to one of the other interns that I wanted to go up to the top floor. I think it's the 38th floor of the Secretariat building. Uh, before I left New York and sort of this was my chance. So along with Christina, we took the elevator um, or the lift, that's my American English slipping in, um, to the top floor of the Secretariat building and this very surreal scene where we had to explain that it was a Christmas gift of Panettone um, and then it was put through this security x-ray machine to check <laughs> that we were not, that these uh, two unassuming um, young women were not posing a security threat um, through their Christmas gift and then we had to officially register it and it was quite funny because as we left, there was a Swiss intern who was coming up with a box of chocolates for her Christmas gift and we reassured her that it would all be fine. Um, and then there was another amusing moment at the mission a few months previously um, and I'd come back to the mission after some meetings at the UN and there was much confusion and excitement on the intern floor um, because a Swiss guard who was on a holiday in New York had turned up to the mission that morning um, sadly not wearing his uniform that was my question as well um, turns out they don't carry it around on holiday um, and he turned up and wanted a guided tour of the UN so two of our interns kindly obliged and now one of the UNHQ security officers in New York has swapped his pin um, with a Swiss guard, which is apparently a tradition among security officers. So those are just two of the slightly surreal stories I have um, from my internship. And I thought I'd give some general reflections um, and perhaps talk a bit more about how, how I felt this internship um, 
impacting my own journey of faith over the last few months. Um, I think it was quite easy to leave feeling very disillusioned at the apparent gridlock in many UN meetings and the inefficiency and the flaws of the system. I think there was a sense that a lot of the meetings that I was covering, say in mid-December, um, were very similar to the ones that I had covered in my first week. And there is a sense with a lot of multilateral diplomacy at that level that things move incredibly, incredibly slowly. Um, and there are other things which move incredibly quickly and rapidly depending on the situation on the grounds. But an awful lot of, an awful lot of meetings uh, felt quite repetitive or just felt like the UN or various security um, systems had sort of hit a hit a brick wall and couldn't seem to move past this gridlock, um, and that's partly due to how the the UN is structured and um, the five permanent members of the Security Council, um, including Russia, um, and the need for consensus to move forward in a lot of the UN areas. But I would say that I also left my time in New York with a sense of hope um, and a sense, a real sense of the importance of the work of the Holy See Mission and more broadly, um, of our role as Catholics in our world today. I think it was easy to sometimes get swept up in all the UN abbreviations and phrases and terminology. I particularly dislike the word interlinkage, which comes up all the time at the UN. Um, and I think rooting ourselves in prayer and our real mission as Catholics was particularly important on maybe tougher days at the UN. There's a great quote from Pope Benedict XVI from Deus Caritas Est, um, in which he says, Being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. And um, I think this quote is particularly apt, and it is really this proclamation of the gospel and this encounter with Christ not any UN document or draft resolution that we may work on, um, with which the church should really lead today in our worlds. So we should lead with this proclamation of the gospel, with this joy of the resurrection, and this gradual realisation that 16-year-old me had at this disused Polish quarry at World Youth Day, this conviction that a life lived with Christ is radically different. Um, a further highlight of my time attend of my time in the US was attending the Conference of the Apostolate Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, which works with college students in campuses across America and also in Europe. I'd gotten to know the missionaries at the University of Vienna, where I took my year abroad, and also at the University of Southampton, where they were based until last year. And Every American Catholic YouTuber and podcast host you've heard of was at Focus's Seek conference. Who knew Father Mike Schmidt um, exists in real life? Um, along with hundreds and really hundreds of religious um, from every order you've heard of and every order you hadn't heard of as well. And to finish my time in the US alongside, I think there were 19,000 students there who fell completely silent in front of the Blessed Sacraments and who sung the Salve Regina with such gusto and energy, and who were really on fire with their desire not only to grow closer to Christ, but to share Christ with their friends and their peers, really did fill me and leave me with an incredible joy and hope for our generation. I also lived with two wonderful flatmates I found through the Dominican parish of St. Vincent Ferrer's on the Upper East Side, which really has a thriving young adult community, 
and preaching, which I've noted down, was more hard-hitting and more eloquent than most of the things I heard at the UN. <laughs> um, and I think this experience, this wider experience of church and all the wonderful Catholics and communities I got to know outside of the Holy See mission um, was particularly moving. And it was really cool to see how all these different apostolates and bodies work together within the body of Christ. And one of the greatest joys of the universality of the Catholic Church, which had always struck me, was this ability to move halfway across the world and really find your home in Christ, um, which is so much more than an institution, um, but really a living body of Christ. Um, I was about to add, move halfway across the world and find Catholics you know um, or have mutual friends with. Um, and I often joked about the Fisher House, Cambridge, Chaffancy Library um, having an East Coast extension. Such was the the number of people from Chaffancy that sort of kept on rocking up during my time in New York. And I thought I'd close off this section with one final thought and a question that's been on my mind a lot lately. I think it's easy to fall into the trap that we are saving the church and forget that it's the church which is saving us. And perhaps this is particularly the case when you're um, engaged in one of the church's apostolates or working for the church um, under the capacity of the Holy See. I think we're very, um, we're very keen to give up X for Lent or do Y activity for our parish, go on pilgrimage to Z. Um, and all of these are really wonderful, wonderful things. Um, but I think a question that I found myself asking and one that I'd perhaps like to throw out to you is, are we really willing to trust God with those areas which are closest to us? Um, our studies, our career aspirations, our friends, our relationships, um, our comfort zone, really. And I think over the past few months in my time at the Holy See, I've really seen that the transformation is in giving, not from the surplus, um, but really from this very core of what we have already. And there was a priest who said, you know, you should really give up for Lent exactly what you don't want to give up for Lent. Um, and I think that was, that really captures the sense that the gospel tells us that when we are willing to do this, it is then that the transformation comes and God will provide so abundantly and break the nets um, of the fishermen with all the fish that they will catch. And so I think I'd just like to wrap up um, with this encouragement that each one of us is called to a particular mission. Um, not everyone is called to the Holy See mission at the UN, although if you'd like to apply, by all means do. As I said, you can find out more about it on their website. And it's a super wonderful opportunity that I'd recommend. Um, but everyone has their particular mission. As Newman said, each of us is called to definite service. Um, and so I'd really like to end with that encouragement. Um, perhaps as we head into the second bit of Lent, and that God does not call the equip, but equip the calls. And I hope that some of these reflections on my time at the Holy See Mission at the UN um, help you to consider these wider, wider questions of mission and what church looks like for you. Thank you so much, Anna. That's a really, really beautiful reflection. I think that one that's well worth bearing in mind. It's an easy trap to fall into. And Tim in Cambridge is going to take your calls and pass them on to us. Um, in the meantime, we're going to be moving to our second music break. Um, we've got some more Brother Isaiah. Um, this is Come Follow Me, which is very apt uh, follow-on from, from how Anna ended that last section.
So we'll play that for you now. The foxes have their dens, yeah, and the birds have their nests. But the son of man, yeah, yeah, has nowhere to lay his head. Said the foxes have their dens, yeah, and the birds have their nests. But the son of man, yeah, yeah, has nowhere to lay his head. Still he said, Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Poco a poco vamos a llegar. Somos peregrinos, and you know that's who we are. We make our way. Hey, hey. Little by little, we learn a little more each day that God is love. That life is short, that all will be well, and I know all will be well in his time. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me. Come follow me, my child So I pick up my tent and I'll follow you I got my guitar in my hands but I ain't singing the blues No, you make me smile Oh, how you make me smile And though I Struggle along with all my cares and my troubles. It seems you never leave and always help me when I stumble. It's a wonder how you love me so, and I love it how you let me know. Yeah, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, my child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. I wanna let you leave, but now I'm struggling. See, I got my cares, I got my worries, and I got my needs. So I think you got the wrong guy. I thank you, good Lord, but I politely decline. But then you come, you come to me, speaking so softly, but speaking to me. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will take care of you, and I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you, and I'll always bear your cares for you. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will take care of you. 
And I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you, and I'll always bear your cares for you. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will take care of you, and I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you, and I'll always bear your cares for you. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will carry you, carry you, child. I will take care of you. And I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you, and I'll always bear your cares for you. Hello, this is Anna Fleischer, and today on Just Life,、um, I'm talking to Anna Whitehead,、um, who's been、uh, talking to us about her experience、um, with the mission of the Holy See to the UN in New York. It's been really fascinating. I'll I'll start with the first question. So the UN is kind of known for having this very Utopian vision of all nations working in harmony, and it, it very kind of fits into this humanist ideal of、um, like world peace. And、um, how how do you reconcile? How did you reconcile that as a Catholic being at the UN with the kind of Catholic sense that actually we, we're all affected by original sin and what we should be? I mean, not that we shouldn't be striving for peace. Of course, we should be striving for peace, but.、Um, That ultimately, true peace won't be found until、um, until we're in heaven.、Um. Thank you, Anna. That's <laughs> quite a question to start on.、Um, I think there is that sense of slight disillusionment、um, and a sense of many interns going into the UN.、Um, and I should say that the inter the the UN is almost overrun by interns. One fifth of the UN workforce are interns.、Oh. And I think you might go in with this hope that. It's really a place which solves all of the world's problems, and that this meeting that you're going to sit in on is going to kind of end world's poverty.、Um, and you realise quite quickly that that's not the case.、Um, but that doesn't make the UN completely redundant or less important.、Um, I think one of my first memories of the UN and this sense of disillusionment was in a Security Council meeting. And essentially, there's a briefer who might be、um, a special representative or、um, a member of civil society or somebody from a UN agency, sort of a specialist on the situation, providing an update on the situation on the ground. And then each of the UN Security Council members, so the five which are permanent members of the Security Council, and those which are elected, will then deliver a statement. Um, with then any invited state delivering a statement at the end, and that constitutes a meeting. And I didn't fully realise that when I walked into my first meeting that I was writing a report on. And we sort of went round the table. Well, obviously I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't at the table. I was far at the back of the room. But all of these ambassadors、um, delivered their statement on the situation. And then the president of the Security Council said, "This meeting is adjourned," and banged the gavel on the table. And I genuinely thought, "Hang on a minute, that wasn't a meeting. That sort of I felt the meeting was about to come. I thought that was the preliminary bit of the meeting where everyone was delivering their remarks, and now they were going to start throwing ideas and discussing things and really going into the situation and how they and them, their different delegations, might work together and cooperate."、Um, and I think there is a sense that a lot of these meetings are just.、Um, The delivery of statements,、um, as opposed to real head-to-heads, which do happen but often happen behind closed doors, 
or happen on the bilateral as opposed to multilateral level. Um, and then I think your sort of second question about how do you how do you reconcile being a Catholic or how how does the Holy See and how does being a Catholic fit into this um, sort of very bizarre at times UN multilateral diplomatic um, world? And yes, you're you're right. We can never find and achieve complete um, world peace through all these UN meetings, um, but. I think there's there's a real sense of the Holy See mission that we are um, working to represent the voices of those who are more marginalised and that our principles are universal um, and that our, our vision is that greater biblical um, vision um, and does have that ethical dimension and heavenly dimension um, that, that is what the Holy See can bring to the table. Um, and to often look at these topics, um, hotly debated and contested topics, with that perspective of the church and its thousands of years of teaching and tradition um, is a really valuable perspective to have and one that I think a lot of delegations listen to, even if they might not want to show that they're um, listening or sort of following what the church is saying. There's definitely a sense of the importance of the voice of the church in those debates and there are also ambassadors um, who are Catholic themselves. Um, one of the highlights of my time was when we celebrated a mass at the mission and invited um, ambassadors um, who came and celebrated mass with us and that was really moving to see how these wonderful talented diplomats were rushing from the UN and rushing from these meetings um, and fitting in time to come and to come and hear mass, and to see that these are there are so many Catholics in all all fields of government and diplomatic activity um, who, even if they're not representing the Holy See, are really striving in their work to to be those peacemakers that that the gospel calls us to be, and to really bring that light um, of Christ and be a witness to the Church um, in often quite difficult circumstances. I hope that those thoughts vaguely answer parts of your question. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, thank you, Anna. We have a question from, from Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Lovely. So, a very fascinating talk. Thank you so much, um, both Annas, for, uh, for giving it and, and for facilitating it. Um, I had a question about uh, just your perspective on the role of the Pope and, and specifically our current Holy Father, Pope Francis. He tends to be a, a person who, um, I suppose, divides people. Like you, you have these really staunch Pope Francis fans and then you have people who are sort of feel as though maybe he's steering the church in, in the wrong direction. And I was wondering if maybe your time in this uh, internship gave you a different perspective, um, maybe humanized that, that that a little bit more, or um, maybe you can, yeah, talk about that a little bit. I think my time at the UN mission was really um, the first time I really engaged a lot more with papal encyclicals and papal teachings and the Pope really is that sort of head of state equivalent in the same way that other 
diplomats would turn to what um, their prime minister or president was saying, sort of we'd be searching Vatican.va um, for papal encyclicals and um, things that the Pope might have said on particular topics. And I think there is that wealth of um, papal teaching um, with so many gems and um, great bits um, of teaching that we can really learn from and that we perhaps don't come into contact that much with um, as a regular, maybe Sunday Catholic or going sort of going to Mass and not really um, reading or being informed that much about what the Pope is saying and teaching. Um, and yeah, I think one of the greatest scandals of the Church, if I even can say that, is this division within within Catholicism and it's really it's really sad and it really um it's really difficult to present the Catholic Church to other Christians or non Catholic friends um and for them to then point out, but you don't but you know, this person doesn't agree with this person and I read this thing on Catholic Twitter and I just have to remind them that Catholic Twitter is not the Catholic Church and Twitter is not the world. Um and that this is unnecessary source of division and tension. Um, and the Holy See is striving to be universal. And um, our Great Commission is to like, go and make disciples of all nations. And I think when we get bogged down by these differences in important differences, I'm not sort of casting judgment on any of these debates, but I think when we get bogged down with these discussions within the church and these tensions, um, then it's very easy for us to lose sight of our of our greater sense of mission and purpose and um, for this wider scope which we are being called to and which the Holy See really tries to to reach um tries to reach in their diplomatic efforts. Um, so yes, that's my general answer <laughs> thank you that was that was really helpful thanks thank you anna yes that was a really really interesting answer um i think very much needed to be heard so easy to get bogged down in this division i wanted to just ask you about the uh you kind of you sounded like you think the un would be better run if it, uh <laughs> it was entirely run by the dominicans at the parish you, <laughs> you were at could you could you tell us a bit about about them and that kind of community in new york yes well? um <laughs> I I would say that the Dominicans um have sort of played a very important part in my in my journey over the past few years. There's obviously the Dominican community up in Cambridge at Blackfriars, um, Sister Anne Swales, um, who was speaking on questions of faith last week, um, is obviously part of the part of the Dominicans and was um assistant and then acting chaplain in my last year at the chaplaincy. And I sort of stumbled um upon this Catholic flatshare, um, which we joke has a direct link to the D Dominican parish. Um, and I had two really wonderful flatmates who were involved in the community there. And the parish is also full of young adults, um, young professionals in New York. And I think I, I think there is amongst our generation of Catholics, this real desire to be well-formed um, and a real thirst for deeper teaching. And um, we like it when difficult questions are grappled with and we really dive into what the gospel is trying to say to us at Mass. Um, and there are so many wonderful resources available online 
Um, and yes, um, perhaps it's my background and my studies, but I've I've always really found the Dominicans um, are able to 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 jump into jump into these areas of formation um, and really speak speak into speak into these areas in a way which has really been formative um, for me. And I just think that witness of young adult Catholic community um, was also particularly powerful. I think when you're at the Holy See mission, um, it's sometimes easy to forget about everybody who is sort of behind you in the church um, and then going to mass um, after work or on Sundays um, and seeing that community um, and seeing seeing the joy which radiated from it was really beautiful. That's wonderful. Do you have any sort of final thoughts or conclusions that you'd like to share with people about, about this experience? Uh, perhaps just one practical thought I did mention earlier, um, but the application process is now open. If you are interested or know anybody who is interested, perhaps from your parish or from from your friends, um, they are looking for interns for the autumn cycle. And the deadline for that is the 15th of April. Um, so I'd encourage you to, to have a look at the website. And they're really looking for um, interns from across the world. No particular experience in um, Holy See diplomacy and they take from a wide range of academic disciplines as well and they really just look for a solid understanding of Catholic social teaching um, and these topics which would come up during your time interning at the UN. So yeah, I'd really recommend the application process and encourage you to consider it um, and get involved with your chaplaincy at university if that applies to you. Um, because I found that including this internship, many, many of the wonderful things I've talked about and which have been really formative for me um, have stemmed through the university chaplaincy community. And I believe that's the same for you. Anna. Yes, very much so. Um, well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you, Anna. Um, you've been listening to Just Life on Radio Maria. We've been talking to Anna Whitehead about her experience at the Holy See Mission at the UN in New York, um, which has been really, really fascinating. Um, I, I think this, this should be available as a podcast afterwards. So if you've just tuned in, don't worry. You, you can catch her um, at a later, a later time. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. It's been thank a real you. pleasure to have you.